We're in Romans chapter 6, down to 6. When we read the verse here, it says, Knowing this, that our old man, our old self, was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Uh, he uses this sometimes, so people need to pay attention. When he says here, you know in this, like in Ephesians and other portions, actually you go there, and the real closer translation is not that you know this, I mean that you know or anything, it's a fact that this is known. You know this. You don't have to know it or search it. This is a fact. And we find one illustration that we go to a lot. In Ephesians 5, 5, it says, For you know this, or for know this. And he names certain sins. And he says, Let no one lie to you. So he's saying, Don't let them deceive you. If you're a fornicator, if you're covetous, you're an idolater, he says, You're not in the kingdom of heaven. See, he overrides his little sayings. Well, uh, we're once saved, always saved. He didn't say that. I've been born again. You know, it's all Christ. It's all faith. Scripture don't teach that. He says, I'm going to tell you this. If you practice sin and grow sin, you're not going to make it to heaven. See, it nullifies all this humanism and heresy and false teaching that pacifies people in their sin. The Bible doesn't do that. And that's why you're going to be a lot of surprised people. And he has to be told. And I'll continue on. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words, lying words. It means they have no substance. For because of these things, these sins, these gross sins, practice them, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And then he says, he's talking to the Christian here, therefore do not be partakers with them. Partakers of what? God's wrath. So you can claim Lord, Lord all you want. Many are going to. And he's going to call them cursed of the Father because of their works, not their belief, because of their actions, their lawlessness. They're not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. So we need to, anytime he says, know this, I'm giving you a fact here. It's not to be disputed here. People like to run around and grab a verse out and say it says, no, they're distorting, they're mishandling the word of God. They'll jump over a hundred verses so they can magnify one out of portion, and that makes it heresy and false doctrine, okay? So people aren't saved by seven scriptures. When you see these tracks, this, 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 and all you have to worry about, you're, you're looking at demonic tracks. They're not teaching sound doctrine. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach it. You make disciples. He said, and teaching them to observe everything I said. He didn't say three scriptures of how to be saved. He said, teach them to observe everything I've told you. And the apostles magnified it. And they were given the spirit in a way that Jesus said, I can't tell you certain things. But when the spirit comes, he will. He was living under the law. He was living on the institution. But they didn't have the Spirit of Christ in them. But he said, but you will. And that's why I said, they'll do greater things than I do. And who did greater? Well, they preached to the world. They went to the Roman Empire. Jesus stayed in Judea. He didn't go out. 
and they preached a gospel that the Holy Spirit inspired and brought in a new covenant, and Jesus didn't do that to a degree. He said, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. So when people say, well, I only listen to Jesus' word, well, you're deceived. Because Jesus said, don't listen just to me. Well, my spirit comes and enters the apostles. I'm going to show you deeper things that you can't understand now. So it shows you how foolish people can be. They sort of make up their own mind what they want to believe. That's why they don't make it into the kingdom. Okay, so know this. This is a fact. The old man was crucified with Christ, and it's destroyed the power of sin and the law of nature, okay? The old self, the old man, we call him the carnal law of nature, was crucified with Christ. Legally, God judged Christ for our sins, the sins of humanity, because he was sinless. He was a perfect sacrifice. So he said, okay, you can represent them. So all of the sinful people of Adam, sent by original sin, sent by willful choices, it was nailed to Christ. He had to bear the penalty, the legal penalties of these things. Okay, So he was judged for sinful man. He had no sin. The human nature, by the sins of Adam and willful sins, was judged in Christ. He was made sin for us, representative, but he had no sin of himself, okay? So he broke the power of what the lower nature influenced by demonic forces. He broke the power. He did not annihilate it. A lot of people think it's, well, how come it's still working? How come Christians struggle every day fighting the old man and the devil and resisting temptations to live for themselves and pleasure, it's still present, isn't it? It hasn't been. Some people think, well, it's just done away. I said, well, obviously it hasn't because it's working in you. It has power over you, so it must still be alive, okay? So he does not annihilate it. He subdues it. He gives the Christian the ability with the help of Spirit of Christ to resist, to overcome it, that doesn't rule him anymore, okay? So if a man really wants to submit to it, God does not counter him. That's why in the Gospels and the Epistle, they always appeal to the Christian will to do this and don't do that. They have the right. He does not override their wills in these matters. And if they want to live for sin and they want to, and they're Christian, they can go right back into it. He don't override them. They don't have some kind of sealing like the heretic says that they can't sin. Well, they sure sin, and aren't they? Well, their spirit doesn't sin. I have a bunch of hogwash. There is no separation in the spirit and soul. They are the person. They have different facets. Some people think, well, the spirit will go to heaven and the soul, I can do what I want with. Well, that's what the Nicolaitans taught, that your spirit was pure, but it didn't matter what you did with your soul and body. Uh And Jesus said, I hate that teaching. And he says, and I'll destroy her children. The children are the followers. He'll destroy them in hellfire. See, you don't like that. Again, it's another form of a license to sin today that ultra-Calvinism pushes. Well, they're pushing a demonic teaching. They're going to be surprised at the day of judgment. 
because they're going to be blinded here to a great degree. That's the consequences of resisting the spirit of truth. So the power of Christ in us doesn't cover our sins like the blood did in the Old Testament. The animal blood suspended, covered. It didn't do away with. God held off because it represented Christ's coming. So when Christ came and literally paid the price on the cross, his death and resurrection, then when he came, a person is regenerated and the Spirit enters them. He cleanses them from the past sins. So all of the past sins, everything is removed. It's not covered. And then when the person has to walk with the Lord, see a lot of people, oh, it's all grace and faith. And he, oh yeah, he'll do your past sins. That's true. You can say it's mainly faith, but there still has to be repentance. See, that's the works. They don't like that word works, do they? See, And it's spiritual works or they won't make it to heaven. And Jesus said, when they said, Lord, Lord, he didn't recognize it. He says, you workers of evil, you lawless ones, depart from me into everlasting punishment. See, he didn't even acknowledge them claiming him to be Lord. He wanted to see their actions to prove that they submitted to him. And they didn't. They were doing a lot of outward Christian works and giving and doing, but their nature was still selfish. They were self-centered. They thought their good would outweigh their bad. They found out differently that God's system is a little different. James says, keep the perfect law, the law of liberty, the gospel of grace. And he said, anybody offends at the law, the main teachings of the law, and commits sin, he says he's guilty of the whole law. So the rich young ruler, he was really good, and he didn't do this, he didn't do that, and he did this, and, and the Lord came and thought that was good. But he said, go sell everything you have. Why? Because he knew the young man was covetous, and the man couldn't let go of it. So him being covetous kept him from the kingdom, and kept him. It didn't matter all the other good stuff he did. See? So the world thinks differently from how God does. You can give money, you can do everything, but you live in an adultery and having an affair, you're going to hell. You're going to lose your Christianity. You practice those things, Paul said you will not make it. See, he makes it very plain. You don't find any of these excuses that people always come up with. Oh, well, I don't really mean that. Well, if you're born again, see, these are all lies from the devil to deceive people, and that's his main job is deception. And so the multitude that come to Jesus think they're Christians, and they find out they're not Christians, okay? Because of their lifestyle, and they don't follow the Lord, they're not led of him, okay? So what he does is he cleanses us from sin when we are born again, regenerated, or we join ourselves with the Lord. And this is not permanent, and this is not one time. You become a branch, and Paul said, and if you don't continue in his goodness, you'll be cut off. So, see, there are conditions. So you stay with the Lord and bear fruit. And if you don't, you're cut off. You're no longer his. You're an insult as far as God is concerned. Okay? So uh, what we find is he cleanses us from all sin. He gives us the power in the present tense to overcome. Great word there, though, if, if we use it. He gives us the armor. If you don't use the armor, it's useless. If someone gives you, a, you inherit a million dollars and you don't get it out of the bank account and use it, you just assume be living on the street because it ain't doing you a bit of good, okay? You're not practicing 
use in it, and that's how the Lord looks at us. So it can and must be used, what? The Spirit of Christ, His power, His graces, to free us over temptations and its drawing. Now, even though it's been crucified, He's still there. The old man lies dormant, and He's ready to raise up anytime you give Him opportunity. And we're going to have the old man to contend with in the old nature, and we're going to resist him until we die and are raptured. Then it's left behind. It don't go with us. See? And later we'll find, Paul said, we are groaning to be delivered from this. It's like a curse. But we're under probation. And the Lord wants us, and he gives us the abilities, the virtues, the graces, They have to be used to overcome these things. And if we don't, then we are overcome by wickedness. And the end is the wages of sin is the second death. Okay? So he makes it very plain to those who want to see the truth. They're not looking to try to work around what the Lord says. It's very plain what he says. But if a person's in sin and living in sin and knows it and claims to be a Christian, the Lord will send lying spirits to him. He'll hide the truth from him. That's why there are brilliant people that can quote scripture and they're still in their sins. They don't even know the Lord, but they give lip service to him. And they want to debate and argue. That's why I don't debate and argue. They want to know how many kings were in Israel. I say, it don't matter how many kings of Israel, you're going to hell. You better be more worried about living right and holy and submitting to the Lord. All this other information ain't doing you a bit of good if you're not following the Lord. All the Bible study, all the all this information, it's just information. If it's not practical, it doesn't lead to godly living. The teaching of the Bible, if you understand it, sound doctrine, sound teaching means teaching that leads to godliness. That's what it means. Not teaching that gives you information that has no effect. So if you don't practice it, well, I tell people don't study the Scripture. So I wouldn't study the Scripture. If you're going to live in gross sin and you're not going to follow the Lord, you're just going to add more punishment to yourself later. You're going to be more responsible because you'll know more. So he is given much is required. That's God's holiness and justice comes into effect. He can be gracious to anybody and give them more time and he can do as he pleases. But they don't yield to that. His judgment will come on them in a greater manner in the day of judgment. Paul said they're storing up wrath for the day of judgment. Those who won't repent, those who have stubborn hearts, he warns them. He says, you're storing up wrath. See, God's wrath is not always outwardly demonstrated. The wrath of God remains on a person that does not receive the gospel and does not walk in the gospel. And people think it's just for judgment day. No, the wrath is working. These people are being deceived. They're believing false doctrine. And the Holy Spirit allows the demons to come and give it to them because they don't want the truth. And they've resisted the spirit. So the wrath of God is already working on people. Each time they reject the truth, they fight against their conscience that tells them to do something. Each time they store up wrath and a certain amount of God's anger. That wrath is God's righteous anger, and it remains on them now. See, people don't like that. Well, for God so loved the world. Well, that's sure he loved the world. 
He gave his only begotten son. That love is goodwill and benevolence. It's not some emotional romantic love. But at the same time, they're his enemies. And he stores up wrath and remembers what they do, and his holiness is going to come into effect. So he can love a person right into the gates of hell, and that's goodwill. It's not his will that any perish, but they're still his enemies, and they're not in covenant with him. And the more they reject the true gospel and the conscience that the Lord's trying to do, the more they're going to store up wrath, and the more likely they're not going to come to the Lord. When people resist the gospel, the true gospel, I'm not talking about some seven scriptures, when they fight it, they get worse and worse. See, they don't know it though. And it gets harder. Proverbs teaches of how people harden themselves and something happens to them. There's consequences for sin if it's not dealt with it. It poisons. It alters a man's spiritual thinking. And it leads him deeper and deeper into deception. So that's the wrath of God now. Wrath of God is working. And people say, oh, well, God loves everybody. Well, you need to clarify what you mean. He has goodwill toward the enemy, toward the wicked enemy. And he says he does not desire them to be go to hell. He doesn't desire to, to punish them, but he will, and he desires righteousness and holiness. And there comes a time, you read the Psalms, he said he hates the worker of iniquity. And when they enter hell, he never gives them a good thought. See, people make up all these things about God because they don't know Scripture and they have no fear of the Lord. See? Those good things you want to think about only apply to those who obey in the Lord and following Him and keeping His covenant. Okay? Those who don't, they're going to be a little surprised. So it must be used. The Spirit of Christ and his, uh, what He gives us and aids and the help of the Holy Spirit that we overcome temptation and resist its drawing, but it's still there, okay? So we do not have to obey and yield to it. We have power over it. He strengthens our will. It's a human spirit, and he's with us, but we still have to consent to it. A lot of people think, oh, it's automatic. No, it's not. When we join ourselves to the Lord, we're still us. We're still who we are as far as our personality and our person. But we either yield more to God or we yield to the fleshly desires. That is our choice. He never overwhelms a person. Okay, We can refuse to do this, and then the power of being a slave again and under sin is still effective. And it will work to destruction. Before we go on, one other scripture in Ephesians. So if he gives us the power and the weapons and the aid by his spirit, Ephesians 4.22 says, you, and we should remember this, he's talking to the Christian, that you put off. So he's talking about the old man, the old nature, that he's there. Or he wouldn't use this terminology. He said, put him off. It means don't let him affect you. You need the cloak of righteousness. You need Christ. He said, concerning your former conduct, he said, I'm expecting you not to live like you lived when you were a slave to sin and a slave to the enemy and your own fallen nature. He says, don't be a slave. He's appealing to the will. He's telling the Christian he can do something about it. 
He calls him the old man. And again, he was crucified legally, but he's still there, okay? He said, which grows corrupt according to his deceitful lust or desire. Lust, covetousness is lust. Sexual desire out of uh, proportion is lust. Lust is going beyond what is permitted. It's a coveting. God sets the rules. He has a right to. And so when you go beyond that, you enter sin. It's called impurity and uncleanness. Anything that God sets the limits for, that's holiness. And when you walk outside of it, it's lawlessness. And the more accurate translation is when Jesus said to the ones that depart from me, the professing Christian, he said, you lawless ones, you practice lawlessness. You're not submitted to the law of Christ. He has his rules and laws. And if you don't submit to it, who are you submitting to? There is no vacuum. And he says in 23, and be renewed. Who's he talking to? The Christian. He's talking to the spirit of the Christian and his conscience. And he's telling you, make a decision. Use your will. And he says what? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay? So he said, your will, start to exercise it to do better and good, and the Spirit will help you do this. The vine side will always work. It's the human side that's in question. But he's appealing to the Christian. And he can do it, or he cannot do it. And like Paul said to the Gentiles, well, he cut the Jewish nation off and everything for the rebellion, and he grafted you a wild olive branch into it. And he said, but unless you remain in his goodness, you will be cut off also. Well, oh, a lot of the once saved, always saved, try to wiggle around that. Well, that don't really mean it means just what it says. If you don't abide in his goodness, it didn't say abide in believing he's the Lord who died on the cross. Abiding in his goodness means practicing righteousness and living holy unto the Lord. That's what it means. And he said, otherwise you'll be cut off. See, he makes no distinction. And that's the great apostle of faith and grace telling you that. People like to skip over that when the heretics do because the Holy Spirit sent the blind spirits and they can't see the truth no more than the Pharisees could. That's the consequences of resisting the spirit of truth. That's the consequences of a continuing in gross sin. I don't care how many times you read the Bible and quote the Bible, it ain't going to do you a bit of good spiritually. Okay? Verse 7, for he who has died is free from sin, okay? His past sins, and if he's walking in the spirit, the present, uh, he's walking in the spirit, he's walking in life. He's not living a sinful life. That's what it means, in action. And that's why Paul said, you can't practice these sins. And he names about 20 or 30 of them, and they're very plain what they are. There's no mystery about them. They're gross sins. And he said, well, if you're a Christian or you claim to be and you're living one of these and practice, you're not going to make it to heaven because you're not a Christian anymore. And if you die today, you're going to hell. See, he makes it very plain. As we said, the Apostle John, he mentions seven, eight ways to tell if you're a practical Christian. And he doesn't mention grace and he doesn't mention faith. And he wrote, 20-some years or more after Paul was dead. 
Why? Was he in conflict with Paul? No. He's telling you how grace and faith work. It's the same as James is. If you've got the true faith, then I'm going to tell you how you can prove whether you got it. See? They weren't just talking about a mystical theological beliefs that many people have. Oh, I get so tired of it when they say, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I said, yeah, and you're having an affair with a woman and you're married. You're not seated with Christ. You're seated with the devil. He lives in you. He motivates you. And your end's going to be destruction. So you can exercise all this mental belief faith. It won't work. It's dead. It's just positive thinking. See, a lot of so-called faith is nothing but positive thinking. It don't change anything. The faith has to be based on the truth. The faith has to be sustained by the Holy Spirit. There has to be a union there. See, So a lot of people exercise in faith, and it's not real faith. It's not spiritual faith. It can't be because they're not spiritual. And they're not walking with the Lord, okay? They're imitations. So for Christ, the sinless one, he died for us to free us from the power of sin. He cleanses us and removes the past sin. As we're led of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, we're free from its power. And if we continue to the end, we're free. We're overcomers. And people say, well, already? Oh, yes, if you're walking in the Lord. But if you're not, you haven't overcome. You forfeit that. And Jesus told each one of the churches, if you overcome, he didn't say you have overcome. He told them the consequences, the good and bad, if you don't overcome to the end. A lot of people like to forget that. That's a direct prophecy from Christ himself. You don't need much interpretation. When you read the seven churches, there's no mystical things, the visions and stuff you were trying to explain like you'll get to later. He simply makes things plain. If you do certain things, he says you're cursed. And if you overcome, that means it don't rule you. You rule over it. Then I'll give you these rewards. And if you don't, he said the second death will wait for those people. Okay. So the old nature is always there. We groan and fight with it. We are not delivered from it as far as its temptations and its desires. Jesus had no original sin, but he was tempted on seasons, and he, and he could have yielded as a man, or he wouldn't have been tempted. Oh, people tell me this nonsense. Well, he couldn't have sinned because he was the son of God. If he couldn't, God's a hypocrite. God tested him and makes it look like a, some acting foolishness. No. He could have yielded. And he himself said, I could call, he was on a cross, before he went to Christ, he said, I could call at any time the Father and send 10,000 angels to deliver me. But see, the man couldn't have been delivered. But he said, I could do it. So he could have exercised that and said, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to do it anymore. Because he was sinless. He wasn't on the cross for himself. He was on there for other people. I hear a lot of Catholics tell me that. I said, oh, you're, you're so foolish. And Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus, the human. And she's not a virgin. She had three or four kids after Jesus. Okay? See, the people lie and distort Scripture and all that. And I thought, yeah, they want to believe the lie. 
Jesus could have yielded, and God's foreknowledge, he told us that he wouldn't. He showed us things. But he had to be tempted, and he had to overcome, and he did. Or it's a sham, and God doesn't do shams. He doesn't play these little silly games. He doesn't tell people it's his will for everybody to get saved. And then he says, I only have elect people I like. I, I chose a thousand years before they were born. Oh, they're going to go to hell anyway, because I've chose not to show mercy. They're demonic. They make the devil look good. Okay? That's why I hate those doctrines. Twist it. Well, there's truths to some of them, but you have to, you have to put the truth with the other issues also. It's not one facet. Sovereignty is not one facet alone. It doesn't override love. It doesn't override justice. It's working together with God. And people go around and say, well, the, they're born and they deserve hell. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. And it shows you immediately God started making provision even for Adam and Eve. Why? Because love entered the picture. Compassion entered the picture. It just wasn't justice. Justice had mercy with it. Scripture says justice and mercy have kissed. They've joined together. Okay? So God gives opportunity. And they always talk about, oh, God, he'll have to do I say, yes, he does. It's just you're ignorant. He has to do a lot of things, even for the wicked, because of his love. It says his goodwill. He's benevolent. He's merciful. He told Moses when he appeared to it. He said, I'm long-suffering and gracious. That was under the law. But he also said, visit the sins on people, because what? He's justice. He has justice, too. But see, he works them together. And people just elevate one little scripture out of context, and they're making and distorting God, and they're going to reap from that one day for misrepresenting him to people. Okay. Yeah, I had someone tell me one time, well, I thought about coming a Christian, but they told me God has already elected those who can be saved, so I might as well just live like I want to and hope I make it. See, that's what it produced. He thought he was already predestined. And because he didn't know if he was enough, why well, try to be good and go to hell anyway? These are doctrines of devils. This is what they are. Ultra Calvin, most of it is doctrines of the devil. Okay. And I don't care who the sixth king of Israel is. I care about what makes us practical and what will get us into the kingdom. And what the Lord expressed to me years ago in a dream, you warn people. They ain't going to listen. And most of them are destroyed by the devil because it's the times we live in. It's just regardless, you teach the truth anyway. And I'll have to answer to him for that. I don't have to answer. The, I don't care if one person... Noah was the only person was righteous. Lot was the only righteous one. And that's how it's going to be at the end time. So we don't have to measure with anybody else. Oh, this person wins a lot of souls. Yeah, I'm sure he does. When you see what kind of gospel he preaches. Okay. Okay. So now we go to verse, well, let's go back to verse 7 first for, for our finish. So he died to free us from sin, for he who has died to free us from sin. So he did this, but the old nature lies dormant, and we can fall to it, we can be drawn by it. If demonic powers use the old nature to convince us, to lure us, the pleasures of sin for a season, they have all these means. And we have to exercise our will 
and we're given strength. He strengthens our spirit, the human spirit, and says, you don't have to do this because you have power over it now. And so we have to resist it. If you're going to remain in the Lord, you're going to have to resist it. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Okay? That's the other side of the coin. So having died in and with Christ, we shall live by his overcoming spirit in us. See? People don't like the word overcoming. They don't like spiritual works. All they want to talk about is all grace alone and faith alone. There's no such teaching in the scripture. There's not one scripture that says we're saved by faith alone. This is perversions. And so they're just as bad as Catholicism. They think it's, oh, it's a good, the foundation of the Protestant teaching. Well, it's a heresy just like Roman Catholicism is. Uh They just traded one heresy for another. No, we are not saved by faith alone. If there's no repentance, if there's no turning to the Lord and stopping the sinning, we're not saved. Confession will not save us. Even Proverbs says, he that confesses his sin and repents, who turns from him, he says, they shall find mercy. It means the ones who confess all the time and don't do nothing about it, they don't get nothing. And that applies today. Okay? So you can confess that gross sin every day. It ain't helping you one bit until you turn from it. See? That's the spiritual works. And the branch has to bear fruit. That's spiritual works. He must obey to follow the Lord. That's spiritual works. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about ordinances or rules and regulations and false teaching from the Roman and Protestant churches. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual works. And even Paul said, your master is the one that you obey. And if he said you obey righteousness, it's the Lord. But he said, if you are following sin, you're obeying unrighteousness, and you don't have the Lord. And that's Paul teaching this. He said, if you don't obey righteousness, which leads to life, he says, then you obey in unrighteousness, leads to eternal death. He makes it very plain. He was in perfect agreement with James. They weren't in conflict. They just expressed it and interpreted it different ways, which the Bible is able to do. Okay. Everything that we read from Jesus can be read in less than an hour. And he went to many villages and he taught the same parables and some of the time he added something else, but the principle is the same. That's why we have four Gospels and sometimes they seem to, one adds something, someone leaves something, well, that's their right to emphasize what they saw and different angles to bring out certain things. You don't have the Bible and Mark and Luke say the exact same thing. No, he had the opportunity. And that's what teaching does. They can expound. They can elaborate. They can look at something from different angles. They can look at certain depths that we didn't see before. Okay? And so having died with Christ, we should live by his overcoming spirit in us. We choose to be a slave to Christ. Acts of the human will and conscience of our spirit, we can yield to them. The will to sin or not sin is always in the person's power. See, the will transits both. 
And that's why it's appealed to. It's not automatic. It can do it. And now it's been given the power to do it if it's a Christian. God winked at things under the old for certain things they didn't have power over, but he judged them at a lower standard. But he's not winking at things now. He said, you have Christ in you. And you do this and that. Your soul and your body obey your spirit. They don't obey Christ. They obey your spirit. So when he convinces your spirit and you get the power of the Lord, it's your spirit who rules your soul and body. You're responsible for it. Yeah. But you've been having the power to do it. So the Lord always derails with the person's spirit when it comes to spiritual things. And then his will comes into effect, and he, I can use it to do it or not do it. I can obey the Lord or not obey the Lord. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Well, you can refuse to do it daily. Paul said, I'm crucified daily. I will, but he chooses to do this. And at any time, he can stop. And so a person can say, I'm tired of carrying this cross. I want to live for myself. And of course, if I have a license of sin, I'm once saved, always saved, I might as well live for myself. It's a great gospel, isn't it? Yeah, that's the gospel that's being preached. That's the gospel that's damning many multitudes because they're going to find out it was not the gospel, okay? It was not the truth. So the sinning and not sinning for the non-Christian and the Christian is act of the will first. It has to give the soul and body consent. It controls the soul and the body. The body doesn't think for itself and does what it wants. It's your soul and your spirit, I can lift my hand because I will to lift my hand or I can put my hand down. It has no power of its own. See, it's subject to the spirit, to the personality of the person. And that never changes. A lot of people think it's done away with. No, it's not. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break before we go into verse 9. 